It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What's up, Bengals fans? Welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. Today, there is some news coming out of Paul Brown Stadium. There are a couple meetings happening. The, the Bengals are hosting Devin Bush for a top 30 visit. They're hosting free agent tackle from the Buffalo Bills, Jordan Mills, who's a name that was floated as a Walmart tackle on Twitter a couple of days ago. Uh, prompting response from Joe, myself, and Paul Danner Jr., and I think uh, Troy Blackburn must have been listening. Must have been listening and said, you know what? Maybe we actually should go to Walmart and just see what's on the shelves, you know? Just you ever give been it a to try. Tra- you ever been to Walmart in the first of the month? It's wild. No? That's when everyone gets their welfare check. They go right to Walmart. I think that it's a different in Canada. I think. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we, we have welfare Wednesdays here. What, are you paid every Wednesday? I think it's amazing. It's, it's not every Wednesday. Well, the Bengals just got paid because they're bringing in Jordan Mills. So they got paid? Yeah. I, just, I, I get it. I get it. I no, get they're, it. they're shopping at Walmart. Yeah, I got you. Uh, and it is the first of the month when we're recording this. Apologies to any of you that are upset with us for our April Fool's joke yesterday. We weren't expecting to actually catch any of you. But five of you, I think at least five of you so far today, have tweeted at Joe or myself saying that you went to Google, you were you were scrambling to find out if the trade had actually happened before we let on that it was a joke. One of you threatened to unsubscribe. I hope you don't do that. They're going to unsubscribe when we spoil Avengers on draft night. Is that what we're going to do? We're just going to spoil more stuff? We're just going to be the spoiler podcast now? We can read it. I think we're going to talk about the draft. Go see Avengers. Well, I am that night. I'm tickets on sale tomorrow, by the way. But um, and then Saturday's podcast will be all Avengers and no draft. It's on Thursday night. I'm not. That's I don't right. Know if so I'm Friday's on, podcast. I don't know if I'm going to see it on Thursday night. Have you been to an, uh, a Marvel movie on opening night? Yeah, a recent one because they're pretty crazy. I mean, the, I don't know about you, but uh, our theater was. In the movie, man, they're screaming and going nuts. It's been a while since I went to a Thursday night midnight showing kind of deal. It's fun. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think I did it for the first new Star Wars movie. It was the last one uh, I did it for. That'd be fun. It was fun. And I really liked that movie. 
not to get into Star Wars takes. The Bengals, let's first talk about uh, Devin Bush coming in to visit today. Consensus, for the most part, number two linebacker in the 2019 NFL Draft. Yeah, Some evaluators have him as the number one linebacker in the NFL Draft. Pro Football Focus probably doesn't have him near the top part of the NFL Draft based on their guys, although they do like Bush. I shouldn't say that they, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't speak for them, actually, because while they like guys like uh, Jermaine Pratt and Ben Burkirvin and Blake Cashman, they have, they have solid grades on Bush at the very least, especially in, in coverage and as a pass rusher. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We've talked about coverage not really being his strength, but pro football focus uh, grades it that way, which is, which surprising to me for a two-year starter that looks like a thick downhill power tackler hitter run defender in my mind when I watch him uh and you said you watch when you watch them you saw similar things where they're asking him to blitz more often than they're actually asking him to do anything dynamic in coverage and I think that his 10 sacks speaks to that also as he's been very productive as a pass rusher and they have him with 13 sacks over two years probably because they don't count half sacks yeah that's correct so yeah, the thing with – I wonder about this coverage grade is how often he was asked to drop into coverage. I told you before we started recording that I wish their draft guide included snaps per task. So how many how many pass rushes did he have? How many run defense snaps did he have? How many coverage snaps did he have? Because of, he, he went up from a 77 to an 88 roughly in coverage grades from 2017 to 2018. He was targeted a little bit more in 2018, 34 targets. But I wonder, I wonder where that's coming from, right? He had three passes defensed in 2018, had no interceptions in college. One interception I have, uh, based on Pro Football Reference. Okay, so 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 Pro Football Focus doesn't even have that one. And I'm just trying to pull up Devin White. Devin White only had two passes defensed in his entire college career, according to Pro Football Focus. And was targeted less frequently and, and similarly had a huge jump in coverage grade, 70.5 to 91.6. Right, 91.6. Yeah. To 2018. Yeah, 91.6 is, we're talking elite, elite stuff at that point. Or Devin White, we're saying Devin White. Devin Bush had an 88 in coverage, which is still really good. good. Yeah. It's just His run defense went down though, right? 87 to 74. Uh, yeah, and, and, but, and 74 is still better than Devin White in 2018. Yeah. So they're saying he's a good run defender, but he was almost an elite run defender the year before, 2017, for Devin Bush. And this year he kind of swapped that and became a better cover guy and was still good as a run defender. But I find that interesting because I wouldn't say that matches up to what I see on tape, uh, even though they're saying he's been a good run defender uh, for two years now. So I, I guess I would agree with that part. The other thing I want to talk about with Bush is his market share analytic data. This comes from Jim Coburn at Jim Metrics on Twitter. He has a video up on YouTube about Devin Bush's uh, draft analytics profile. His solo tackle production, his market share there, 77.82. And this is all based on how many tackles he has compared to the rest of his team, how productive he was in the context of his team. His production score for solo tackles is below that of an average NFL starter. He's above the threshold to be a pro bowler in the NFL, but doesn't have those average scores that you're looking for. And and that shows 
when you look at the fact that he had just 46 solo tackles, according to Pro Football Focus in 2018, yeah. on 657 snaps and 63 solo tackles in 2017 on 782 snaps. And you should also say he's had 34 missed tackles also, and, and largely what was the last two years. So for him, it puts his uh, tackling efficiency lower than you would want for a guy that we're considering to be a power tackler, downhill run defender. And uh, and that will hurt his solo market share also. You miss a tackle, it's going to be a negative against you. So, yeah. um, you know, looking at that, saying that his productions aren't as strong as you'd like, I think when you go back to before the combine and you look at him, and, and many thought he would go between 20 and 40, I think, in that range. And now we're saying between 10 and 30, 10 and 20, 10 and 25 maybe. And now it feels like he's been pushed up a little bit because of the testing. Now the testing is fantastic, and it's exactly what you want. Honestly, he tests. He looks like Bobby Wagner in his profile, and that's a good thing. That's what you want. But the, Bobby Wagner went in the top of the second round. So are we overinflating Devin Bush? Are the Bengals prepared to take him a little bit higher than many believe he should go? Yeah, and just to say on the gym metrics – analytics breakdown here Devin Bush's athletic profile his explosiveness speed score and flexibility score this is all based on combine testing is all well above the all pro average for the linebacker position uh the comparable he comes up with for his solo tackle production is DJ Williams and for his athleticism is DJ Williams 17th pick in the first round out of Miami I want to say and for athleticism Michael Kendricks you remember DJ Williams, I believe, was the one the, the Bengals and Broncos traded. The Bengals went back for Delta O'Neill. The Broncos went up, got DJ Williams. Bengals went back once again, missing Steven Jackson and taking Chris Perry. So it's interesting, right? There, yep. There's a couple guys that he, he compares to that have had moderately to very successful NFL careers, depending on who you ask. Yep. And I think that's fair. I think that's worth a gamble. If you got low side DJ Williams, high side being, what was the name? Well, it's it's the 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 athleticism comparable right. is Michael Kendricks, right? So that's why I'm saying as a as a range of outcomes, if you look at it that way, I know there are two different categories, but one being production wise, DJ Williams, athleticism wise, Michael Kendricks. Kendricks have been really good for the Vikings, so uh, yeah, I think that's worth a bet. But again, Kendricks went where second round. So you wonder kind of if maybe if it was a stronger linebacker class if the second tier was a little bit stronger or more defined if Devin Bush would fit better into that second tier yeah that's kind of where I'm at on Devin Bush at this point although some people will tell you that he has better tape than Devin White and and maybe the linebackers in the class just aren't that good that but I think it's possible scenario. I think Devin White does have the athleticism and I think you know shows more on tape at least like shows more comfort in all aspects of the game I think mm-hmm. than Devin Bush does. That's not to say that Devin Bush can't learn to backpedal and drop into his zone, right? But he looks comfortable when we see him in drills do it. Yeah. So there is precedent there to think he can do it and do it successfully. Yeah. I was just gonna say, like in our mock draft Monday episode, we really talked about the tiers of linebacker. If you miss out on White, Bush, honestly, it almost feels like White, number one, Bush, tier two, Mac Wilson in tier three. The more you look at Mac Wilson, the more you look at his testing, his grading, and, and things like that, you start to say, eh, you know, I don't know if I like him over Jermaine Pratt, Blake yeah. Cashman, and, you know, others in that in that next tier. So uh, you, you kind of wonder if these guys are getting pushed up. It's, it's funny. I've talked about this before in other drafts, 2014, 13, when we start to rank guys really highly and – we're like, yeah, we really like 
Er, let's say Arthur Brown. We really like Arthur Brown, and Brown looks really good. And man, some people I have him in the top five player in the in the draft goes in the second round, but and didn't work out ultimately. Point being is, we do this and we don't recognize the weakness of the class while we're in the bubble. And it's when you step back a couple years later and you look back at it and you say, "Wow, we were overrating the top guys because this class ended up not really being very good." And uh, I wonder if we're doing that at linebacker. But it seems like there's a lot of quality to me in the middle rounds still. When we were looking at the PFF draft guide in preparation for the episode today, we came across guys like TJ Edwards that we haven't talked about really at all outside of maybe mentioning their name on a mock draft Monday once on the podcast. And TJ Edwards is a guy from Pro Football Focus that has strong grades across the board everywhere except for really pass rushing. And this is a four-year starter from Wisconsin that's produced quality linebackers before. Maybe this is somebody we should be looking at. A little bit undersized, didn't run very fast for a 230-pound linebacker, but two years of good run defense grading. Really, three out of his four years are good coverage grading. So we should be probably going back and looking at TJ Edwards from Wisconsin. So there are some guys in the middle or late part of this draft that I think we need to look at a little bit more to see maybe if we're... If we're missing something there, if we're blinded by the athleticism from the top two guys. Well, I think there, the gap is creating this issue, and that's the gap between those White and Bush and then the next tier. Because it might be sizable, and because of it, uh, we don't know how to rank them and place them. I'm struggling with it myself. Someone asked me today, well, if we don't take a linebacker at 11, who are your targets at 42? And I'm like, no, I don't think I have one. Right. I don't think we take a linebacker at 42. I think it ends up being a, a position you target in the third round because of the large gap. I wouldn't be surprised if we just have those two guys go in the first round. And then on day two, there's like six linebackers that get drafted. It would not surprise me. That seems very reasonable. And the Bengals are probably in that range. Yeah. And, and yesterday it's, it's funny. We say this now because just yesterday we traded up for Mac Wilson, because I think that's something that's feasible for the Bengals to do is to get a linebacker by the second round, right? Like yeah. the way that they're approaching free agency, and this is a great segue to talk about Jordan Mills, is they're making sure they don't have to draft a tackle yep. in, in 2019 in the first round. Yeah, they're leaving linebacker as the sole position of need, same way they did last year with center. And it is, like, the big the big need, for sure. And maybe, maybe that means that they really like Devin Bush. Maybe that means that, I don't know. Because now they, they really kind of need – they need a linebacker – by day two at the latest they need somebody yeah. who's going to be able to contribute yep. in year one unless they're unless they're running out Preston Brown Nick Vigil and Jordan Evans right and I don't think the coaching staff based on what's on film for Evans especially and to a lesser extent Vigil I think I mean you can't feel great about those three being your top three linebackers I think what it comes down to is are you getting your linebacker number one in White and Bush or are you getting your linebacker number three and that's the gap, right, to represent it is I think if you end up drafting a Blake Cashman in the third round, if he's still there, uh, he's your linebacker number three at this point. You're, he's behind. He's Brown's going to call the plays. You know, Vigil may even call the plays before uh, Cashman does. You may not even have, see Cashman out there as a nickel linebacker right away. And even though I think he should be, I think they would go out there with Brown and Vigil off of how they've done things in the past. Now new coaching staff and everything changes that. But point being is I think if you're drafting White or Bush, you're drafting your guy who's going to take the radio helmet, going to call the place, and he's going to be out there 90% of the time, if not more. And 
that is basically how you should look at it in this draft class. Yeah. So let's talk about the segue then, because Jordan Mills is also in for a free agent visit today. And this was something that I think was mostly a joke that came up on Twitter last week. It's like, oh, well, they could go get Jordan Mills. And Jordan Mills, and Joe has the stats to back this up, is essentially the same right tackle as Bobby Hart. Yeah. And he's been a three-year starter too. And he's much cheaper. Well, probably. Maybe they'll pay him $7 million. Right. That's it. I was just going to stop you there on that because we assume he's much cheaper. Being where he is still in this part of free agency, how he's played the last few years, he's 28 years old, so it's not like he's extremely old. Um, He should be available here. We expected Bobby Hart to be available here. And this was our argument why the Bobby Hart contract was so bad is because someone like Mills, who has produced exactly almost the same, if not even slightly better at times, then – Bobby Hart is still available. And his last contract was with Buffalo for two years at $3.8 million total. His last year's cap hit 2018 was $2.25 million. His last contract was just 400000 guaranteed. So a stark difference between what Bobby Hart just got, but the differences of three years of age. So uh, that should make a, a, a factor. Here are the stats now. 2018, Jordan Mills took 1000 13 snaps. So the last three years, he's taken a thousand snaps each year. He's been very healthy and durable in that, in that regard. Uh, he allowed 35 total pressures. Bobby Hart allowed 39 total pressures and about the same snaps, 20, 20 snaps difference. So 35 for Mills, 39 for Hart. five sacks for Jordan Mills, 10 sacks for Hart, nine penalties for Mills, 11 penalties for Hart. Now very similar, but I mean, the sacks were doubled, but you can't control all, all the time. How many pressures are going to turn into sacks. So for me, that's very similar. Uh, Again, 2017, 1,100 snaps for Mills, 31 total pressures. Bobby Hart in 2017, 523 snaps. So half the snaps, 35 total pressures, more pressures, same amount of sacks, six for each, four penalties and half the snaps for Hart, six penalties and double the snaps for Jordan Mills. This was the year that got Bobby Hart cut because he was horrendous. So 2017 got him cut and Mills was better that year. 2016, now let's go back even further, where Hart played almost 900 snaps. Mills played 1,000 snaps, so we're we're pretty close there. Mills allowed 57 pressures. Hart allowed 46. Eight sacks for Mills, two sacks for Bobby Hart. Six penalties for Mills, five penalties for Bobby Hart. So that's really their closest year in terms of production. But the last two years, Mills has been the same, if not better. And he's coming in on week, are we in week three or four now? A free agency. Three, right? Is it three? Yeah, yeah I think it's around the 14th or something, so we're on in the third week. Yeah, so this is a third week free agent that ha- I haven't heard Jordan Mills' name once. We haven't talked about Jordan Mills as a tackle target because we wanted to get better than Bobby Hart, right? But yep. now he's coming anyway to be – and did you say he had or had not played left tackle? He played 23 snaps in his career at left tackle. That's it. So, so this is the argument for – the Bengals still being open to a tackle in the draft unless Trey Hopkins is your backup left tackle, which I think, or, or Rod Taylor, which I think Hopkins probably is your backup left tackle right now. Yeah, he's played left tackle before in his career. Which is is great. It's nice to have a guy that can back up all five positions, but we're talking about a backup. And if, yeah. if Hopkins is in there instead of Cordy Williams, it's probably not great. Cordy Glenn. Yes. Cordy Glenn. And, Sorry, yeah. And the thing, too, is we have to consider Clint Bowling as maybe the backup left tackle because of we talked about and when we talked about the offensive line, uh, they have, if anything, depth at, at the interior offensive line position with Christian Westerman, Trey Hopkins, and Alex Redman. Yeah. That's a good point. 
So does that take them completely out of drafting a tackle, right? In the in the first two rounds, yeah, you'd have to think so, right? Like they're trying to solidify the roster at that position so that they don't have to use draft capital there, which means they want to use draft. So the the positions where they've left the window open, linebacker, obviously we've talked about, tight tight end, sure. Even though they've signed two guys, two Uzama, yeah, Uzama and and Eifert. And for the um, last two years, they've had three, three exactly. guys that they could that they really liked. And and right now, maybe they really like I don't know. Is Morris Boinger a tight end or a wide receiver right now? He's a tight end right now. But they Mason Shrek is a guy Jordan they like. Franks. Jordan Franks has played well. Yeah, Seathan Carter was someone they liked two years ago, got hurt last year. But none of those guys, like we said on Mock Draft Mondays, are Y-type tight ends. So I think there is still a need there, and especially for the future. I mean, Uzama, while we like him and wanted to keep him, we're all agreement in that, has never been um, either dynamic or overly dominant in any one regard. So... He's a good number two, but I would still like to have more comfort with the future tight end number one if it's not Eifert because we can't bank on that and it's a one-year deal. And I would add also because you're adding you're, – what you're doing here is saying what positions are left open after, if they sign a Jordan Mills. And let me add a caveat there in saying what positions are open that the Bengals have shown that they're comfortable drafting in the first round. Right, right, because they've drafted Cause, two cause tight ends in the first round. That's corner and tight end, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't say corner is particularly open unless they're drafting for next year, which maybe. Technically, but. Keith Rivers and David Pollock in the first round. Years if we're saying ago. Pollock's right, as a long time ago. And I would also say quarterback, even though, you know, they've drafted one, obviously, but they've all, and they're over Mike Brown's, you know, 30 years or whatever it's been now. Mm-hmm. Jeez. He's drafted a, a, quite a few quarterbacks in the first round, plus Andy Dalton being a premium pick still in the high second round, I think would be worth consideration. I think conspicuously missing from this list is defensive line players. Yeah. And I that's agree. and that's where I think there might be value at eleven. So that's what's a little concerning is they haven't been linked with Ed Oliver at all. They have they even met with any edge guys? Rashawn Gary. Gary is the one. And that's what made, leads me to believe there will be more. Because, again, we only have, I think, five out of the thirty visits. So I saw someone say this the other day on Twitter that, well, they didn't bring in Devin Bush, and they brought in Gary, so they must not be interested in Bush. And it doesn't work that way. There is 32 teams trying to set up visits. Uh, you just don't go from one school and pluck your five guys in a row there, and we're not going to get all 30. We may get 20, 15 or so. Yeah. Uh, and so you're not going to know everyone. And in this scenario, yeah, they brought in Gary. I do think they would have interest in a Williams Sweet or a uh, potentially – and I did I say Sweat or Sweet? I'm sorry. But anyways, and a potentially Brian Burns. We'll have to see who else uh, – Cleveland Farrell, maybe. I do think end could be a position of need for them if yeah. they view it that way because of we talked about kicking inside in a carry win role. But still, you're signing a carry win to a one-year cheap deal. You can upgrade for that in, with the 11th pick. But I also do believe if you think of the way they've treated Carl Lawson in the past, we hope a change in coordinator and coach means they may use Lawson differently or treat him as he's an every-down guy even though he's short – if they still view him the same way Marvin Lewis and that staff did and that general manager maybe may have viewed him the same way, and I'm talking about Duke Tobin, we could they could be looking at right end right now as a massive hole and say we need to draft a guy at 11. Well, they drafted Sam Hubbard last year too. I think the question with, with Lawson is, is he healthy? And you would think he would be because he's such a workout warrior. I would, I would guess that he would just really take rehab by the throat and make it his. But... And he got injured pretty early, I think week four or five. Yeah, so all signs point to him being ready to come back. 
if Tyler Eifert can do it, I think Carl Lawson can do it. They're both guys that are going to work really hard in rehab from what we know about them as character guys. Edge would be a bit of a surprise, though, still. I, I know that there's a potential need there, but with, with Hubbard on the roster, with Willis on the roster, with Lawson on the roster, and then Dunlap's your every down guy, it, it, if they do go first round edge, it's going to be hard to find snaps. I think if we look at <clears throat> who could be best player on the board plus who could be the most valuable position, at least how the general NFL views it, it could definitely be defensive line. And that's why we talk about it and consider it as much as we do, because otherwise I don't people may value corner, but I don't think a corner is worthy of the pick. So that's why I don't think of that position. Uh, people may value quarterback but it depends on if you feel someone is worthy of the pick that's why sometimes we don't consider quarterback so it, it really comes down and I think as, as the moves the Bengals are making left tackle offensive tackle in this draft this may be a sign of how they feel about these guys that they don't think number one they're old if you look at how their old um, thresholds go for offensive line and I keep track of all that stuff I'm not sure there's many guys that pass through this filter that are considered top 15 picks. So I'm thinking Juwan Taylor, and he hasn't tested yet, and they may view him as a right tackle anyways, and that may be the only guy they consider, and he may not test. I don't think Florida had their pro day. Uh, So if we don't get a Taylor, they may just say there's not a tackle worthy of the pick at 11. That could be the case. We're going to take a little advertising break here. And I'm just going to quickly plug, if you would like to get your business on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, please do contact Joe or myself at Jake on NFL at Joe Goodberry on Twitter. We are open to sponsorships. You can contact us for the rates about that. We'll be right back to talk about our favorite offensive tackles in the 2019 NFL draft. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. After all of that, after talking through Devin Bush and his worthiness of the 11th pick, going into the conversation of Jordan Mills and bringing him in as the possible main backup tackle, and leading that into how that affects the draft, what we want to do for this series, and we figure we'll start with this, if especially if we can eliminate it right now, uh, is the top five at every position coming up in the draft. So we're starting with offensive tackle because we thought that made sense. We've already done a little bit of grading and putting our chart together, Jake and I, on a spreadsheet. So I think we have different different rankings for the top five guys, but I think the rankings reveal a little bit of maybe what the Bengals feel and maybe what m- much of the league is, is looking at with this tackle position. Yeah, and we do have slightly different top fives. I think mine starts with Jonah Williams. And then my second guy is Juwan Taylor. Third guy is, I believe I said Dalton Reiser, Andre Dillard, and then Cody Ford fifth, even though I don't necessarily even see Cody Ford as a tackle in the NFL. And I really kind of want to put Max Sharping there. I just can't, I can't quite do it because of what, you know, consensus is around the league. Nobody's looking at Max Sharping until I think late second at the earliest. 
Right, and we both mentioned Max Sharping as um, sleepers and favorites of ours, him and Chuma Adoga outside of the top five, but Sharping, for me, is a guy that's uh, very consistent, very easy moving in terms of uh, doesn't ever look like he's laboring or struggling with the guy in front of him, and he kind of reminds me of Clint Bowling at guard, but Sharping is going to play tackle. And, and he graded really well, right? He did. He he graded very well. Where did he go? Sharping, here he is. 89.8 pass blocking grade in 2018 and 94 pass blocking grade in 2017. If you ask Pro Football Focus, that means that he's going to go on to the NFL and most likely his pass blocking grade is yeah. going to be above 70, which, which is, is great Cody Glenn, Cord- Cordy Glenn territory. Yeah. He also has career. he also has decent run blocking grades. If you look at the PFF metrics, they're good across the board. He was a four-year starter, 4,000 snaps nearly in his collegiate career, which I think is the most snaps at offensive tackle out of all the guys on our spreadsheet. I I believe it is by like 200. So he's got the most experience and he's been extremely productive. And he hits most of the size traits you're looking for. 6'5", 327. His arms, and we were just talking about this, his arms are a little bit on the short end, which is what I think keeps him out of. If he had... 34 inch arms, 34 and a half inch arms, and played at a at a major school. Could be a first probably, rounder. Probably a first rounder. I agree. Um, let me go over my top five real quick because we agree on the sleepers. We're just a little different on the top. I have Dalton Reisner as number one out of K State, and for me, I think he passed the size threshold that I was concerned with. He had uh, athletic testing that passes the the threshold I was concerned with. Also, I love him on tape in terms of his aggressiveness, his demeanor, his mindset. Uh, he's got versatility to play maybe all five positions on the offensive line. I think Dalton Reisner is the number one guy for me and PFF loves him too, which only helps strengthen my feelings towards him. And I don't know if I take him at 11, that means, but I, if someone's going to take him like 15 to 25, maybe even 15 to 30. And I think they're going to get a stud player at one of the five positions wherever he settles. After that, I have Andre Dillard. And I have Dillard that high because his athletic testing suggests he could be a elite left tackle type in terms of pass protection. And when you look at him on tape, that is where he, his strength is. Many that are offensive line gurus, if you will, say he's the best pass protector in the NFL draft. And if that's the case, with his elite athleticism testing, he may be a Jason Peters type. So that, that may happen. The only way you get those guys is if they test the way they do and produce the way he has and look as good as he does on film. So for me, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if many teams had him as the number one tackle. I'm going to be surprised if the Bengals took him at 11. There's been mock drafts with the Bengals taking Andre Dillard and you sit him for, you know, whatever it takes, or maybe he beats out uh, one of the tackles on the roster. But I do think upside wise, he may be the number one guy. After that, I have Jawan Taylor. And now we don't have athletic testing for Taylor, as I said earlier, but if you look at him, powerful right tackle type, mean guy, He's what old guard you want at right tackle. It reminds me a lot of Darrell Williams that went in the third round, I want to say. A few years ago, was a free agent. That's why we talked about him out of Oklahoma. But just the big size, strong guys you want at right tackle. And he does have some left tackle experience, but he definitely on tape-wise looked much better at right. He may be the number one tackle on many boards, but without having that box checked for the athleticism testing, I can't put him any higher right now. And then – after that, I put Jonah Williams and Cody Ford. Jonah Williams, number four, Ford, five. And because I believe those guys may be viewed as guards, they may end up playing guard. Uh, Jonah Williams may end up being um, Zach Martin for the Cowboys at guard. And he went 
14 or 15, wherever Martin went in the mid first round. And that's okay. And that may be a, a great career for him. He may end up being Joe Staley at left tackle for the 49ers. Staley went late first round and that would make sense to me too. I wish he was a little bit bigger in terms of height, weight, and arm length. I wish he was a little bit better in pass protection and his grades and profile focus. They say he's a much better run blocker. I would agree with that. And I would love to have that run blocking on the Bengals roster. Having said that, I do think there's a chance he goes a little bit later than initial projections had him. And then for Cody Ford, to me, for me, one-year starter, powerful, really strong upper body. There's some plays where you see him get out in space, and he's running with wide receivers and tight ends and running backs, going out to to uh, find his guy and make a block. I love that about him. I think he's a little bit tight. I think he's uh, a little bit underdeveloped being a one-year starter. Many teams may view him as a guard, even though he had 34-inch arms. I think play style-wise, demeanor, the way he's built, looks like a guard to me, and maybe even a fantastic right guard. But that top five, I like. I just don't know if there's a guy I have to slam and slam my fist down on the table and say, I need this guy top 10 in the draft. Especially if you're a Bengals fan and you're looking at it and saying, he's not going to play in year one anyway. Is that worth spending the draft capital when there are questions around so many of these guys? And did we talk about the short shuttle threshold and how only Andre Dillard met that? We did not. And I think we did during the combine. You're looking for a certain number on the short shuttle. It basically predicts that you will have the most success or you will end up reaching your potential, I think, in, in the NFL. Uh, when you look at tackles, normally that's the number you want and for offensive line. But Andre Dillard was the only guy to hit it. And it's a four five zero, right? There, there's a couple different thresholds. One of them is like four seven two, and then I think there's another one sure. that's a little bit four lower. seven two for to be a guy that quality starter like baseline. That's that's yeah. the threshold. I think four five flat is or four six. I can't remember which one now. But a four five flat is the uh, what you want for a guy that potentially is going to be a long term starter. Yeah, and and only Andre Dillard hit that mark. Dalton Reiser is probably the next closest from combine testing at four five two. And yeah. a guy we haven't talked about at all, Mitch Hyatt, Clemson offensive tackle, was a four-five-two as well. Well, that's why the Bengals brought him in. He's one of the guys coming in for a top 30 visit. And it's because the Bengals are getting their, I believe, their targets for the third round. And it, Mitch Hyatt, in my opinion, would be a bit of a surprise. But he meets everything they normally want in tackles. Jake, we looked at this before, right? They like mm-hmm. height. They like Six, the five. arm length. Yeah. and 34.125. Like, and they typically like the shuttle. And 4.52. And he's a four-year starter. Exactly what I was going to say also. Four-year starter. At a major program. And I think he took, yeah, he did. He took a bit of a step back in his, he actually got worse, I think, in his pro football focus grades every year at Clemson, which is weird. That's amazing. Because they've been a national title contender all four years. Well, that when they opposing defenses start figuring out who's the wink link on the offensive line, they're going to attack him. And maybe that was him. Yeah, I guess so. So, Real quick, Pro Football Focus's top five tackles, they have Jonah Williams at number four. They, they have a new big board out today, which is why I bring this up. Jonah Williams is number four overall on their board, not oh, their really? fourth tackle. Four overall ahead of Josh Allen. Their top ten is a little bit weird, though, and I think some draft folks are going to have some issues with it. Uh, but Jonah Williams is fourth on their overall board, first tackle. Then second tackle, Andre Dillard, 13th overall. Third tackle, Jawan Taylor, 15th overall. Fourth tackle, Dalton Reisner, uh, 19th overall. And then fifth tackle, Cody Ford, 22nd overall. If we continue going down the top 50, Greg Little is number six at 34 overall. And I believe the next tackle is Max Sharping 
at, at 50 overall, that would be their seventh tackle. So these are all guys that we're talking about. Yeah, and we haven't mentioned Little a bunch. Uh, he looks like a left tackle. He's got the size. He did not test that way. And In fact, when you watch him at the combine, his whole body looked bad. He looked like he was not in shape and was not prepared for it all. Uh, there could be some upside there if you can get him into shape because I do like Little on tape a little bit more. I think I talked to about him before the combine much more than I have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's second round, if we're talking 42 and looking at PFF's rankings, their big board, you know, uh, they may be a little more radical, but – it may be similar to a random team. Let's say if it was the Bengals, if they had Max Sharping at 50, 42 would not be a reach in their minds. So only one I would disagree with on that is that Jonah Williams being so high. And now maybe he's that high as an overall player. They're not going to worry about which position he was. But I do like where they have most of those guys being between 13 and 25 because I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, just a note on Greg Little since we haven't talked about him a bunch. His athleticism actually very similar to Jonah Williams, despite how bad you say he looked at the comments. So there is a reason to think there. Maybe if you do get him in shape, you work out some of his athleticism issues, that there's maybe yeah. a little bit of potential and upside there that would bump him up just a little bit. Part of that is because he's 6'5", 310, where Jonah was 6'4", 300, basically, 305. Yeah. Um, so the, he gets a little bit of bump by testing a little bit worse because he's a little bit bigger. But the arm length-wise, 35 and a quarter for Greg Little. Yeah. He hits the size measurables for sure. The last thing we'll talk about here with the offensive tackles, this is a position that we've done the most work on so far in terms of our draft preparation, I think, in in terms of getting them into a spreadsheet and getting all the data that we have available. Because the Bengals hate us, that's why. Yeah, and well, they probably do. In addition (laughs) to the the tape grade, which is, is he showing traits that you want to see that translate to NFL success? So we're considering pro football focus grades. We're considering athleticism, size, experience, and tape traits. Based on all those things, the only two guys that I wanted to talk about that met that were in the top 25 of the draft class for all of the pro football focus advanced stats, which are pass blocking efficiency, run blocking success, and success rates against inside, outside, and bull rush moves. The only two guys that were in the top 25 for all of those things, Max Sharping and Jawan Taylor. Yeah, and I can see why they would be considered, uh, you know, especially Taylor, why he could be considered a top guy. I think Sharping, man, is the guy that is definitely a target for many people, for Bengals fans. If they're listening to us and how many times we've targeted him, that's the guy really, I think, in round three that I would be overjoyed with. Now, if like let's say it's Max Sharping, Chuma Adoga, Titus Howard, and Mitch Hyatt. I uh, Let's say in the third round is the, the target range for those guys. I think Sharping and Adoga would get me the most excited, Sharping being number one. I do like Titus Howard, but Mitch Hyatt is a guy I definitely got to go back and watch based on how he tested his size, four-year starter, and why he got worse each year. Yeah, it's weird that he got worse each year. I know I know Ryan. I talked to Ryan about this. I don't think he likes Mitch Hyatt. He said he was just looked like a guy, right? I think at best, yeah. At best? Okay, yeah. That might have been. I, I don't remember exactly, so sorry if I'm misquoting you, Ryan, but Ryan is our resident offensive line expert that we bounce ideas off of at least i do every year so there's your overview for the offensive line position for the cincinnati bengals going into the 2019 nfl draft i don't know that they're drafting any of the guys we've talked about on this show unless it's a max sharping chuma adoga type later in the draft do you have any one late round guy and i'll ask you joe who your late round guy is if you've got one we've talked about william sweet 
uh, for a sixth round target, maybe a yeah. few times North Carolina offensive line. And he's 6'6", 313, 34 and three quarter inch arm. So he hits those size measurables, uh, size targets that the Bengals are looking at. Solid pass blocking grade, solid run blocking grades, showing some improvement. Only a one-year starter, and I believe had issues with the bull rush compared to the rest of the starting class, but Mm -hmm. really solid production when you look at pro football focus grading, like right up there with Cody Ford. Um, Pretty similar even to Jawan Taylor, a guy that's not getting nearly as much hype. Yeah, my guy is Isaiah Prince from Ohio State, and we got to get him in our um, mock draft Monday, and that's because of the size. He's 6'6", 305, 35.5-inch arms. He had a relative athletic score of 75.2, which puts him above average. And if you look at pro football focus grades, he was a very good run blocker, maybe even the best run blocker in 2017. And that's something that if we're talking, I see in most mocks, fifth through seventh round, if that's the case, he at least has a trait to hang his head on and the yeah. size and athleticism to say he could get even better. Yeah, we talked about him yesterday. We did draft him yesterday in Mock Draft yep. Monday, and we said, you know what, he's going to be our sixth tackle out there for jumbo packages on the goal line. Sure. And I think you could do a lot worse. Those guys never end up grading well because they have so few snaps, but I think I think Prince would be the guy if you need to draft one in this draft. So that will officially wrap up our conversation of the offensive line for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. If there's any other guys that we haven't mentioned that you think we need to look at, get in our mentions, let us know, tell us who they are and what round you're looking at them in, and we'll, we'll give them a look. I, th- I know one name we didn't mention is Yanni Kajust. So Bobby Evans, another tackle from Oklahoma who was good a couple years ago. So let us know if there are tackles that we need to be considering more than we are. This is our overview. This is where we're at. We'll get into the rest of these positions as we go through and get closer to the draft. And that's going to do it for this podcast. We hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about the Bengals offensive line tendencies and where several different people have offensive tackles ranked for this draft class. And I don't think it's really a priority at this point. Regardless, hope you enjoyed. Have a good one, Bengals fans. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.